Garden and the Moon is a knowledge center bringing together teachings and insights, experiences and stories, people and beings. It's better than a dream. Dr. Shailesh Subramanian was born in Madikiri, Cork, in India. He's a lifelong scholar of nature, lifestyles and culture and director of the Span Ayurvedic Retreat at the Four Seasons Resort in Landa Jiravaru, in the UNESCO Biosphere Reserve of Ba Atoll. I spent some time with him this spring of 2021, exploring wellness and the meaning of life. In this first part of the podcast, Dr. Shailesh shares about his roots, his grandparents, local healers, and how he became an Ayurvedic doctor. He also expands on wellness and self-care, the seasons and Ayurveda, and why breathing is the best way to lose weight. Okay, Shailesh, it's so good to have you here uh, today with us. I met you at the Four Seasons in the Maldives, a beautiful place on earth where you are actually leading all the wellness initiative there. Mm -hmm. So first, I, I thought maybe you would want to introduce yourself, like give a little bit about your story, what brought you to the Maldives, uh, how long have you been working here? And, uh, and then we'll move on to uh, a few questions uh, I have for you on uh, wellness. Okay. Thank you, Emily, for uh, this opportunity to talk to you on this. About myself uh, coming on to Maldives, I started my journey as an Ayurvedic doctor in 2003. Uh, as, uh, that's when I finished my studies. Until then, I didn't know actually how I would uh, practice. So what would be my way of practicing? Then it happened that some of my colleagues went to Kerala for their uh, house agency and I too joined them. And then from there it started where uh, there were some traditional practitioners or healers. And earlier when I was uh, studying in college, I felt it was too much bookish. Then when I went back to Kerala, it was much easier for me because everything was more into a flow. Uh, same thing like my grandparents used to do, as I told you earlier, like my grandparents were local healers. Mm. And uh, yeah, that was, I think, so I just connected very well. And actually, that was the main reason why I became an Ayurvedic doctor. Uh, my dad actually suggested that I become an Ayurvedic doctor because nobody in our uh, family has practiced medicine mm. uh, since uh, grandparents were just a uh, traditional healer. So yeah, from there it started on from Kerala and from there, uh, it's been 10 years now I'm here in Maldives, uh, working with the spa, developing the spa and uh, mainly the Ayurvedic programs in here. Great, great. Thank you so much. So when you refer to your grandparents and traditional healers, local healers, mm -hmm. like uh, how did it look like? Like wh what were they doing? Are they, were they like the main, you know, people to go to in the village? Like did they receive a proper training? Was it from generation to generation that the, the, the healing power was transmitted? Can you share about this? Yeah, I was quite young at that time, actually, to uh, just observing what they were doing. Uh, my grand, uh, my uh, grandfather he used to actually give medicines from herbs. I used to see him. I'd watch him go collect herbs, come pound it, make it into a, like into a drink or into a paste, and give it to the um, give it to our the patients who come over there. And uh, then my granny actually she was a chiropractor. 
So, and mm. uh, the techniques she used, I think I have not seen anybody use even now. She used mm. to use uh, techniques like from uh, like a, a, a butt towel kind of things or a cloth. She could uh, crack your neck and back. <laughs> that was really, I still, it was amazed when I saw that. And even now when I hear, like, if you ask me how were they famous, I think so now when I get to hear from people, like how good they, uh, good they were and without them something would have happened, that they, like, what happened to their son or their grandson, all the stories I used to hear from them and say how uh, they came in the nick of time, they got the help. Because we come from a very remote village and at that particular time there was no good transportation out into the town. Mm. So you had to develop, uh, you had to actually uh, just believe in the local practitioners mm. and uh, yeah my grandfather was one there and he was one of that fame in that area who's were quite famous and we did have another one who we called as a compounder again who used to work with some doctor he opened up a clinic but that was a clinic separately but this was at home which the practice was going on mm. so everybody used to come to us wow yeah. and do you think that that it's still going on in most villages in 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 india or do people now rely more on like modern medicine and bigger cities for care see majority i would say they do rely on modern medicine but there are many families or many places where there are uh, traditional healers or practitioners who have got trainings from their Uh, ancestors mm. so very close to my village uh, specifically for anybody uh, have any poison actually poison care they go to this local healers and uh, skin a few skin issues they go to uh, this uh, pra local practitioners mm. yes those again when i say local local practitioners they are not practice they have not done any formal education mm -hmm. so those kind of people yes is still the practice is there but it's not the majority And what about self-care practice? Because I feel like nowadays, definitely wellness is taking like a more and more important role, you know, in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I feel back in the day, one of the things is that people used to know how to better take care of them, like themselves, you know, like mm -hmm. using like specific daily tools and so did you grow up with that do you remember like you had specific like self-care rituals when you were a kid and, and throughout or is that also something you rediscovered doing your ayurvedic training no i think so there are two answers for this one is the tradition by itself like how the whole day or the whole year ran based on months based on festives and what they did for the festive itself was a ritualistic thing which also had that medicines in that and also like everyday ritual we used to get oil on our head <laughs> that is uh, that was a regular thing to happen oiling into the ears and if we said that there was like i had them itching in the ear uh, they used to use the uh, feathers chicken feathers actually dipped in oil to wow. uh, clean it then if you had local un like this because we uh, we used to go to the forest and come and we used to get so much of scratches on the leg or we used to fall abrasions or any we used knife a lot any wound etc we used to use the uh, because we grow coconut so mm. we use coconut uh, every single day or if there is like what they do is they collect all the coconut water and they heat it and that uh, residue mm. it's, it, it's like a thick paste and that is always kept in the home And if something happens, yeah, it's not every day they do that. It's kept there. So it's like you have something, they come and apply that onto you. For and anything and everything, you have coconut oil. Mm. Easy, right? <laughs> yeah, easy. <laughs> Because again, now we know that coconut oil, how good it is. And uh, 
even for fungal because we come from uh, tropical weather mm. so how why it was very important to apply oil every single day we never use soap etc at, at that particular time on in the, on our body yeah we did use uh, for the brushing we used uh, powders uh, made from uh, at that time it was made from the husk based burnt husk and uh, yeah burnt husk and mom used to put some other stuff so i don't remember exactly and she i think so she i, I should ask but now mm. i started buying it from I told you like a manufacturer who do, uh, it's not a manufacturer, it's a homemade industry again, where they prepare all this uh, from the local herbs. Mm. I still use the powders, but uh, yeah, so these are the things which we used to do. And again, coming back to the tradition, I told you, right? What mm. happens every month? See, every two, three months we have a festival. That's how a uh, uh, new thing happens. So actually, uh, now if I can compare having an Ayurvedic background, I would say that's when the weather changes, right? One season changes to another season. And accordingly, we are preparing ourselves into what to uh, take, what not to take, etc. Say, say, for example, when uh, it is uh, just getting into the rainy season, we'll be having food, which is like a very, which helps in digestion. Mm. And also for the evenings, we'd have something, food, etc., which would, uh, we could uh, burn it and eat it, basically. Mm. But again, which when they're burnt and these things, we know it becomes into alkali. Mm. The things they get alkalized, right? So even though it's burnt, it's not mm. deep fried or anything like that. So those things uh, get into the stomach, makes the uh, thing in there, and uh, and in the rainy season again we eat so much of I don't know maybe poisons etc might get into the body easily with the water that we drink etc. So the charcoal or the burn mm. can actually neutralize that and and many things. And again, there is time when we have to drink the pith of the banana plantain. And then there is a exactly there is a time where have, there's one very specific day where we had to take a bark of a tree then it has sweet and actually that actually was end of the rain actually when it's and it's the rainy season that's when we take the bark of the tree uh, and uh, mm-hmm. from there the milk that is juice, that is taken out and we drink it so those ritualistic thing that itself was that because say if this is a month. This is the thing that you have to do. Mm. This month, this is the thing you'll have to do. Take more examples of the rainy season because there's so much of rituals at that particular time to do. Uh, we have varieties of uh, rice cooking where we put uh, many herbs into there and when we cook the food, etc. Uh, and those kind of rice should be eaten like that. So these are some, I'm just trying to say mm. a few of the things. No, I think each what... and every tradition, each and every festival had different food and forms that we should eat. Mm. I love that uh, approach because it, it, it actually speaks about wellness being a combination of observation and understanding of mm-hmm. nature exactly. with the divine aspect too because it's linked to religion yeah. and your self-care, you know, like it, it's just like a natural rhythm, basically. Again, funny enough, when you say religion, it is not any particular God. Now, as you tell that i'm just trying to imagine is there any specific day like especially i come from south canada where uh, we tulunad they call it there's nothing very specific god on that when we do specific this thing mm. right so that festive is related with the god but again when we do that it's not like uh, very specific to any god that it is mm. done as a ritualistic on that particular season so it's more yeah. about the nature and the, the nature, season i'd say it's more mm. into the nature and again nature is in a, the, then, of course, with the little of God and things, there are few festivals, like say, for example, the Deepavali, mm. etc. Then, mm. yeah, they, they, that's where uh, the thing when there's now Ratri, but the nine days come. So those are the times uh, more into God things is done. But rainy season, harvest season, there are many seasons. They're called mm. Aati. 
So <laughs> there are many things. There. Then uh, rather than this, we say uh, gratitude, the Mother Earth, and we say the God, the Earth God is coming. And there, there is a time when we have river goddess, uh, the arrival of river goddess on that particular day. So that different, different time, there are different things they do. Mm. And uh, then there is a, a separate uh, day when we eat the fresh harvested rice. Now, if you know fresh harvested rice is uh, not good, you should uh, see, uh, age it and eat it. Mm, okay. You should never eat a fresh harvested rice. But because we have harvested it, just to check it, check on that, we eat the rice. And when that is cooked, it is very, it's like a porridge or it's, mm. uh, yeah, it's quite a uh, very uh, sticky porridge. Mm-hmm. So those are interesting things. And what food is added into that to help that digest. So everything is, it's a medicine by itself, as a science by itself. So yeah. for me, now what I do is uh, like when they, when this particular season, I always make a note. So in this particular season, this is happening, this particular season, mm. they're doing this. So it could be because of this reason. And then I always put that back into dosha. Mm. Because again, to say in rainy season is where the water increases. There's a reason you see uh, in Ayurveda, especially in Kerala, uh, rainy season is the time when they opt to heal people. Mm. Or people go for treatments in the rainy season. So I would rather say... Spirituality is there because in Indian lifestyle, everything is woven into spirituality so that people follow it. Mm. So there is, we call it two things. One is you should have fear and next one you should have devotion. So they should go hand in hand. Mm. Then it can be followed. So to something follow, you should have a fear and then the devotion. Fear of what? uh, No, it's just like God, right? You Mm -hmm. say, God, if you don't do this, something can happen. So with that fear, you do it. Mm. Then the devotion is that... The devotion is the love. It's not only the fear. Mm. The devotion is the love. Okay, if something, if if I don't, I do this, and good will happen to me, mm. right? So those way. So it's always internet. It's nothing like one fear by itself. Mm. It's always bhaya bhakti. That is fear and the devotion together. It goes. So you know, sometimes people view Ayurveda in the West as such a fascinating science. You know, it's. I think everyone agrees that it's the mother of most medicines, but they feel like Ayurveda is a bit exotic or can only be applied like in countries like India. So since now you've moved to the Maldives, you've been dealing with people from all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, asking you for guidance and advice on their wellness. How would you describe Ayurveda as a template for medicine like across the world? The only thing in Ayurveda is that it came from India. Just that. Mm. Then there's nothing only Indian in that. From there, it's for the world. Because the word meaning of Ayurveda is knowledge of life. So wherever you are, you have to adopt it. Mm. You can adopt it. So that's the reason when you study Ayurveda, it doesn't say in India you have to eat or India you have to eat. It first gives you the basics. It talks about your body type. It talks about the places, like different areas, different types. And it gives the qualities of the animal, plant, mineral origin in that particular areas and what it will do to your body. So this is what the education, the basic or Padartha Vijnana that we have to study when we study Ayurveda along with that to understand there's a metaphysics in a way to say but mm. the biochemistry in another side of metaphysics and biochemistry, these are two things which we always have to study when we study Ayurveda. That explains once you understand the metaphysics and the biochemistry part, then you can, if you know that, 
it it can be adopted anywhere i always tell this to my friends if they listen they would uh, they would agree with me when this particular class the padartha vijnana happens the metaphysics and the biochemistry classes to happen i used to sleep because that was uh, afternoon <laughs> class and we took it very light because we thought you can just read it by heart it get it exam done okay we did the same thing and once i started practicing then when i started understanding the real necessity of Mm. why it was there then i spent restless nights just reading it wow. even now i have i do refer to it the basics these those are the basics mm. so uh, answering to you uh, it's not restricted only to india so understanding these things from ayurveda the place the things the season where it is what is the quality of this particular thing you can put that into uh, your practice mm. just knowing if you are like there are many plants which is not available in india which can be seen in outside uh, in another part of the world and once you understand it's we call it rasa guna virya vipaka that's its qualities of that plant the meat how does that affect your body based on that you can make it into a medicine or you can use it to your life mm. so ayurveda is uh, open and that it gives so much of opportunities to everybody to try test and to use it for your life based on that like if you had to describe wellness according mm. to you like what would you say so wellness is keeping the health of a healthy person the health part if you ask me is if somebody is diseased bringing back to the wellness part is the health i see yeah just as so simple the, as that. those two things so, yeah, yeah. that just a wellness is just when you have how to be happy if you're healthy mm-hmm. that health how do you how do you continue that health right or how do you expand that health or how to keep the health or how to preserve the health So and, for that it's not necessarily have to be eating medicines mm. you're not necessarily when this is a very vast thing if say for example you are also some health issues mm-hmm. so, so nowadays because these days everybody has so much of problems uh, diabetes and everything of course either sometimes they say you can't come back to the regular um, health then you can still practice the wellness mm-hmm. right you can still practice your being happy you can still practice eating right you can still practice doing other stuff etc so and like so that. wellness is a bit of life basically wellness is life mm. yes it, it's wellness being is alive life and trying to prevent yourself from dipping into the uh, illness mm. that is a wellness i have one question for you because again i think you you've been connecting through your journey towards like the living the the real thing like the season the nature yet we're moving forward to a world that's a bit that's more and more virtual you know there's more and more wellness ways to overcome illnesses and all that like do do you feel like by trying to access some kind of progress in wellness we're actually disconnecting from wellness or what what's your view on that because i also know that you are the four seasons here it's you know there's, there's a lot of resources to get access to all kind of like wellness ways so mm-hmm. i would love to hear your point of view on that if we are putting ourselves into the more trouble when we trying to so called the wellness these days what people talk about uh the reason is be- because of the resources so people if you can see now product wellness products where they come from uh, when i came in people talked about goji berry to be frank i didn't know what as goji berry was and then you, <laughs> then you see this goji berry was from the himalayas or in that particular mountain areas only that berries you could be got they just imagine what the marketing went on for that and so true what went on that the whole thing it could be extinct by now mm. yeah 
So then now the many people would have tried to grow it somewhere else because the berry would come, of course, from the plant is quite the same berry would come, but not the same similar value thing. Mm. See, the mango, which I grow in my home, is totally different to a mango which grows 200 kilometers away from my house. So the same thing with school, because we do grow coconut in our area. People come to take coconut oil from our area. But there are, there are coconut uh, tree juices grown uh, near to Bangalore, which is 200 kilometers from my place. And there it is used for more of drinking as a tender coconut water mm. rather than using it as bringing coconut oil, tender coconut water, coconut trees, coconut everywhere, both are the same. Mm. But see, there is something from the land from that particular area. So that, that is an example, which I told you, right? Uh, but mainly, yeah, we are, I think, so the resources which we are going behind telling that wellness without understanding what is wellness. We try to follow people. Somebody is doing that. That's the reason it is might be good for us. So somebody says, I had this and that's the reason. So then everybody follows that. We might have seen about many different types of diet, etc. I don't want to name anything. You know, one particular diet. If that is so, everybody should have been well and good by now. It didn't happen. Then particular type of food. This is very good everywhere. Then they follow that particular kind of oil. Let me take about palm oil. Everybody talked about palm oil, palm oil, palm oil. Where did it go and where? It is just destruction of the whole the nature. Mm. The whole thing got destroyed. Right? So true and it's giving one. So you're trying yeah. to give to everybody, but by the time you're just spoiling the nature and you're killing the whole thing. Mm. So true wellness is really the ability to observe and connect to the place you're in mm -hmm. and like benefits and give back and receive from that place, basically. See, wellness, there are many ways it can be done. Yes, one is what it is there in that particular area, what you can with your limited resources, what with the resources that you have in your hand, you can make your health. Mm -hmm. Just the breathing is the biggest help. If you if you do uh, if you ask me what is the best way to lose weight, my way is breathing. Mm, interesting. Right? So breathing is the best way to lose weight. Why? Why? Because that is like if you get back into the how the uh, how the fat cells are broken, right? Once the fat cells are broken, or uh, they uh, thing because maybe you could do a diet or anything like that, right? So after that, it should actually go out of the body. How does the fat go out of the body? That means it has to be taken by the body mm -hmm. again. So how is this taken by the body? It is broken into lymphatic nodules. It can be broken up into ATP and carbon dioxide. ATP is energy. Carbon dioxide is how to put it up by breathing again how to keep yourself active with the uh, like what we do kapalbhati or kriyas etc with that uh, rigorous uh, this thing you can utilize that energy or atp in the proper way and uh, still lose the weight you know, mm. you know understand that mm. like, it's like so the carbon dioxide is gone you have utilized the uh, atp that's as an energy source that has come in uh, again so that is like you are burning the fat in a way. Mm. So this is a way. So just good burning is not only for the fat, it is also good for your mind. It opens up your mind. Mm. It calms your mind. It makes you more slow. The everything problem that happens these days is our improper breathing. Just the right breathing can help you digest. The right breathing can help you think positively. The right uh, breathing technique can take you from one level to another level. Mm. So that's the reason why breathing is the important thing that we would say, I would say, is the first step in wellness. Mm. And how do you learn about breathing? Simple, so complicated ways of doing pranayam, where the simple breath is deep breathing, the inhale, and slow and steady exhale. Mm. That's where it starts. 
And then if you want to do Kriyas, there are like uh, where you do the uh, Kapalbhatis, etc. So there's the Kriyas. Then you could go for uh, examples like Anulom, Vilom, Pranayam. Or like we see nowadays, we say your body is heated up. You have Shitali, Shitakari. Or you have problems with sleeping because you have worked a lot and etc. I always suggest my clients to breathe in and out from the left nostril. Mm-hmm. So, so on and so forth. You know, just giving small uh, examples with this. And and you're seeing people from all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. Russians, Europeans, Americans, like those are your patients. Do you see like uh, universal wellness issues or do you, do you feel like specificities according to different regions in the world? I think so. Nowadays, everybody looks the same. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> nationality, so wherever they come from. Every problem for everybody is the same. The stress is the main. I think so where I see people is all the people who have had a name fame or at least a good financial backgrounds, etc. Still not happy. Mm. So unhappiness is the main thing. Mm. So unhappiness, if you ask why what, they feel their health is not good. Why is war indulgence mainly in uh, either too much of work or too much of eating? It comes to that. So from the yeah, indulgences into improper habits, etc. Some people, when they have enough money, they have enough everything in there, they still want to practice few things because they say, otherwise, what does the society say? What does other people say? Mm-hmm. So still, they can't get into their own. I say, you're already into your, your, your own boss now, mm. right? You should start telling, you should start dictating rather than what other people think about you. So, but that they don't agree. Mm. Not not everyone agrees. Few do agree, but they say society. So now the society is to the blame, <laughs> but we don't know who created that. So it's a, we have created a monster in the society. Mm. Simple example, I say. See, the people who come are all socialists, so they take alcohol, etc. But earlier, alcohol was taken just as maybe as a medicine. And then it became a bit of social thing. So you could just drink so that everybody got to drink a bit of alcohol to, to be happy. Mm. Uh, but nowadays it's not to be happy. Now it has become a status. If I drink, I have to come, I have to drink only this particular wine. Mm. So if I drink, I have to finish this bottle or I have to finish four bottles when I'm there with my friends. Otherwise, I will be looked down upon. So these are the yeah. things which happen. So yeah, we bring our problem to ourselves. It's not only that particular there, right? I get to see when I go back, when I travel as well. I see friends and people in general, they see they just drink and ask like, why are you drinking so much, right? They'll say, just for the fun. I say, for the fun, why why can't you eat, drink less and go, what will my friends say? Mm-hmm. They know I'm, so this is what comes into again. What others say, what others look into. It's, you, nobody drinks it for them as for the health. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think so, to show it out to somebody else that were different things, I think so. We are falling, tr- we are falling to trouble. It's almost like now we we are followers mm-hmm. instead of being the drivers of exactly. our life, and I think that's the root cause. The root cause is ignorance, no knowledge. Mm. So the no the no knowledge of the life, I would say, is a main cause why all the singers. In the second part of the podcast, Dr. Shalesh brings perspectives to the idea of guru and teachers. And he explains why he wants to pursue farming in the next phase of his life. Finally, he gives tips on how to increase your immunity now.
do you have any masters or gurus or people that that guide you also like because i'm sure you're like all of us sometimes you have doubts or you have confronted with like things that you may not be sure about how to go with like do you have any or is it always in you like the master to be frank nothing very specific mm. as i said uh, like i studied up uh, when i studied i started getting into so called uh, philosophy or understanding of philosophies etc or philosophy of life when i started studying in satya sai institute so i could say satya sai baba main guru in the starting because his teaching his words etc were very specific like they 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 told what is life mm. it was very clean and clear there is nothing like is a cult kind of thing whatever people talk about but it's just his teaching is very clean very clear this is what it is so i would say i still uh, follow his words and thing mm-hmm. but again with that because he tells that all these things are from vedas and literatures i did study that also again uh, i got to study all the most hindu literatures so called philosophy vedanta etc step by step not completely because it's such a vast thing mm-hmm. uh, first i started to just know what it is just by it's uh, somebody i used to attend talks with different different masters who give talks So I listen to many people when they give their talks. Mm. I think so. At the end of the day, there's essences from what they talk, like such as I people such as I Baba, what he tells about uh, some so-called quotes, right? Mm. So these are the quotes which come and pass by, right? So those are the quotes would be the main thing that I could uh, look upon to. But going deep, I always connect because I understand where the quotes is coming from because. having studied a bit more into the vedas or vedantas bhagavad gita mm. very interesting uh, that that's also which is an essence of many uh, things and uh, yeah again uh, when i read books uh, like uh, shri arbindo and uh, adi shankaracharya so these are like in his books etc there are uh, play, uh, places where there's uh, discussions or question and answers in bhagavad gita there are question and answers kind of thing bhagavad gita is one in ramayana mahabharat so when you listen to the epics etc you have to take the stories from there the stories are you have to take the essence of the stories mm. it's not just you listen to the stories you know this is the thing it has happened or this happened uh, thing is real or the thing we don't know mm. but if that happened something what we get from the story is the life lesson mm. this has happened or this thing happened so it is like this like this so you should not just go by the story you should also take the essence of what it is mm-hmm. so i think so all these things make it i listen to sadguru these days also and not this has been listening to him since 2004 as mm-hmm. it were like uh, his books first uh, i got it uh, when i was in uzbekistan funny enough <laughs> <laughs> because one of my friends niece was studying this in school mm-hmm. and then he gave me the book and i read his book and i told him I think so. I do relate to it because I have studied, and this is what I, I easily uh, relates to me. Mm. Then I started to listen to his speeches, etc. Read everybody. Read even Osho as well. When everybody mm. talks about Osho and the thing, you see, you should not follow somebody. You just mm. listen to their intellectual talks, right? So they also could be like Osho could also be. He is not a god for sure, mm. but he was a master. Maybe he or he is also a human being. End of the day, right? He had his talk here, but he couldn't follow his talks. Mm. But what we have to get is this: what he talked. Yeah, we not just the take that. Person. Not the actual person of the life. We just take what is necessary for us to put it to our life, and let's go forward. Mm. So let's not be judgmental about here. Yeah, yeah. that's the. But basic things in life to keep. You have to be positive, helpful for everybody. 
not make any problems for the human or any life altogether so these are the basics if you have that morale in you mm. then the things you build it up by taking from here there here there and again in ayurveda when you study ayurveda right so so much of uh, things that we study there's something called subhashita we study like uh, some good words it's told which again mm. it's taken from different authors people here and there that's put in together so that was very interesting for me when i studied that mm. i studied sanskrit again in my uh, school so while studying sanskrit i still uh, i got to uh, understand many other uh, stories in ayurveda from the books or the literatures in ayurveda which not most of the people do refer now called uh, pan, uh, like panchatantra books or literatures where it talks about the, there's a story but you get the moral out of the story mm. kind of thing so so much things from everywhere i would say it's very fascinating <laughs> because also i feel in the west like we we've been you know connecting with various uh, aspects of india and hinduism you know the chakras and the yoga and and you know sometimes it has gone a different way and i think it's always good to be reminded that it's just a perspective you know whatever exactly. you learn even from the west or here and then you have to be your own judge on how it makes you feel exactly so that's the reason you have to have some education on to the philosophies mm-hmm. or education or read about or understand everything first then put your lenses on mm-hmm. right then start judging or looking into things or just adopting it into you mm-hmm. so be a seeker right not right a follower yeah be yeah. a seeker not be a, a seeker just uh, yeah mm-hmm. and for same in ayurveda you know there's so much of uh, varieties of books are there in ayurveda there's not only one uh, one or two types of books there's many authors and they have the same thing they have told different ways to like in some health say for example while doing panchakarma also there are many ways some people have told this is the way this is the way to do it mm-hmm. but it's up to you to judge mm. how where you're doing what is happening and from there you take a judgment and you uh, take it from there so for that for to do that you should have the knowledge of all this why it is told or what is what what be the angle that was told so for that you need to know so for that what you can do is not everybody can read a book you can also have a discussion that's the reason why satsanga is it was called earlier satsanga is not about one giving a speech it's about a discussion of course listening to somebody and discussing that particular topic mm-hmm. the same thing can happen even in ayurveda if i don't know i call my colleagues uh, and ask i call my senior and ask mm-hmm. I, i have a doubt i still do if a guest asks me and if i don't know i tell let me check Mm-hmm. I, then I ask my seniors. I ask my juniors also. Actually, mm-hmm. you see, he is a junior here, but I still ask him. I ask because they have their own specialty, mm-hmm. so they can give their uh, opinion and views. Wellness, in some ways, can be seen as something very much for the privileged. You mm-hmm. know, like you're buying all those supplements, you're buying all those tools, you're having mm-hmm. this machine that helps you f- be fit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, from your perspective, wellness is a much more like life approach. So mm-hmm. what would you say to people who say that wellness is just for the privileged and it's not possible for anyone to access wellness? Like, w- what would you reply to that i go back to telling that the ignorance of wellness they don't don't have any understanding of wellness is mm-hmm. again simple let's go back to your know, practical things like gym everybody say going to gym right yeah going to gym make your body etc nowadays if you see again stole that gym goes is only for people who are able to put muscles if you want to be healthy you can just even do body weight exercises for body weight exercises you need nothing 
Mm-hmm. You can just fold your bed and do that. <laughs> you say <laughs> yeah. you don't have space, or even you can do it on the bed. Yeah. Right. So bodyweight exercise can be done anywhere. You can push ups, pull ups, squats, burpees. There's so much of things you can do to keep yourself well, and you can sit and do the meditation and then there. Uh, if you don't have a master, there's so much of people who really want to impart that wellness and uh, they would be more than happy to give it. But I think so we look at a lookout for people who are only seen in the social media and the people that are in the social media are sponsored by somebody or something. And then they take up that name and they start to propagate those things along with that. That's where it's going. So I would say that's how the commercialization is happening. And because of the commercialization, everything is getting costlier because everything gets a monetary tag onto that. So that's why it's getting difficult or uh, some people say it's quite difficult for them to reach it. There's nothing, there's nothing complicated. Everything is simple. Like in our place, there are people who, like like in India, there are people who have uh, not more than 100, 150 per month. They earn, don't earn 150 per month, but still they're healthy, they're happy. Mm. Okay, so I think so if you can look down to other people, how they live, then it's easy for you to live rather than just always look up uh, and see what's happening there. And of course, if you look up, the sky is so high. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep on going. Yeah. But if you look down, ground is very close to you. <laughs> You're on. So, <laughs> such a powerful way of saying it. Yeah. Just that. No, that that's the difference. So, Dr. Shailesh, what's what's your dream? Are your dreams? My main dream, as I told, like once I came into health and wellness, or in this, I really want to impart uh, health and wellness to everybody in a simple way as possible, and to leave that what I tell. So again, when I say I leave that, it's again to be, it'll not be very strict. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I can get you on a uh, aperitif or a digestive if you sit with me. Yeah, exactly. Because it's healthy. Yeah, it's healthy again. Yeah. So just to make sure, I want to make it very practical to people, make it very simple and understanding to them wherever they are, however they are, how to adapt and use that. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's my my aim is because I'm a doctor now, so I have that tag as I'm a doctor. So I think so. What I tell it's my practice or I have experienced. I can use my experience. To tell to people, so this is I have seen, this is what it was, and this is how I healed. Or with this, this thing can happen, not only these things. Mm-hmm. And again, I have an, uh, with this, I can also talk to being a uh, doctor, I have connection to many other people in my field. So if there's any issues, etc., I can still reach out to them mm-hmm. without going through any hassles of uh, getting uh, spe- specific appointments, etc. And if there's a doubt, question, ask, and I can get answers to them. So I think so. I have developed a network of people, uh, of people not only into health and wellness, into everything. So with all those things, I should be able to deliver what I'm thinking of helping each and every one. So right now you're offering amazing wellness, you know, experiences to your patient here, um, you know, customized and all based on your philosophy. What about for you? Where would you enjoy this wellness retreat? Oh, that, <laughs> as I told you a long time back, yeah, I want to become a farmer. I'm a farmer already, but I'm an agriculturist now, not a farmer. So more of time we grow more of commercial crops as of now, but slowly I want to convert that into being a sustainable farming where uh, the farm has to help us to live 
and uh, where we can just depend on the farm and not necessarily to depend on somewhere else uh, on for food and for living for everything so that is my aim as personal aim so with that that's that's what i'm telling i want to be practical so i want to practice that and just uh, tell other people with that you can live the reason why i told i want to be a farmer or an agriculturist going back is because people in my village youngsters etc nowadays like it's quite difficult to get jobs because it's saturated mm-hmm. because population is so much there's some limited kind of jobs and education is also high we are highly educated in my in my place there there's so much of education institutions around. Everybody is educated, but uh, it's not when you think of job, no. I think so we should put ourselves up and to see what we are good at. And again, we have the base, like everybody, most of my friends and people around me, they have some land, where, how they can be there in that particular land and develop it into, and make their life better. Mm-hmm. So again, to tell them that it's not all only about money and kind of thing. So uh, being here, having seen people, as I told you again, right, people with money, I still I feel very bad and sad mm. of what they're going through. So again, I get to know that it's not always the money which helps you. Of course, money is necessary in many ways. For that also, that's why I told sustainable living, you'll have to do it. Mm. So we'll have to help them out how with their farm, with whatever they have, how we can help them or how they can help each other. So yeah, that's slowly mm. in uh, planning, talking with a few friends. Let's see. <laughs> maybe one more thing is there anything you want to share on covid and the covid life and oh no see I, i'm not uh i, I would say i would not be a expert to talk on covid but whatever i see whatever i hear yes covid it could be real in a way uh, because uh, the symptoms and those things we get to see which is very strong so i would say take covid as a real thing as of now but don't get panicked with that because it's how you fight it because the main thing what we what i have seen most of the people is about the lung infections chest infections in a way to say and the breathing issues that's the main thing that what we have seen so there are many home remedies the uh, things to do so just follow that keep away from sugars keep away from all processed snacks start preparing from your own home uh, some food and there's so much of things available online etc like how simple how spices and the kitchen items you can use to make yourself healthy and you just utilize it and again breathing as i told continue with the breathing i think so with those things you can not only increase the immunity also if there's something already in your body you can help to push it out mm. so i would say in that way you can fight covid thank you so much thank you for this amazing um testimony on life Thank you. Thanks for giving this opportunity, Melly. Thank you to everyone for listening to this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Shalesh, for bringing light to what wellness truly is. And thank you, Marcus Underwood, for leading the production of the Garden and the Moon podcast channel. You can find Dr. Shalesh's blog information on the podcast write-up located in the section Body. Of garden and the moon. Before any Ayurvedic treatment, a prayer is sung honoring the founder god of Ayurveda. This inspired me to write a poem about him. You can find it in the section Nature of the website. And finally, in our next podcast, we'll stay in the Maldives getting to know Purpa, a Bhutanese healer and friend. <laughs>